I'm a gun with the four the gators. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyer, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement. Energy, you know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there, and you didn't invite me. Hurt my feelings. I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler is the long-awaited. Well, first of all, it is the final episode of 2022 for the Sideline Judgment crew. Um, So 18 episodes this season, which and that's because we took the off-season off, which we won't be taking the off-season off this coming off-season. No, we won't. And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, But today, in the final episode of 2022... We will be giving a quick update on silly season. There's a few more hires. There are officially no more open FBS college football jobs. So it's kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, And then we're going to get right into it, Tyler. We are going to have our Florida Gators post-mortem episode. We're going to talk about what we thought going into the season, what we thought during the season, our highs, our lows, giving a grade to each unit of the team, what we felt about the coaching staff, um, how we feel now compared to the time that we felt last season, um, off-season expectations, and way too early 2023 expectations. So all of that's going to be discussed. We will then talk about the transfer portal, both specific to the University of Florida and as a whole, talking about some of the bigger names in the portal that we can expect. And maybe we'll do some speculation and see where we think they might fit, stuff like that. And that'll be it. That'll be it for 2022. We will then be off for the holidays and we will be coming back early in 2023. Yes, sir. First week, we will be previewing, reviewing um, all of bowl season quickly and briefly and in great detail, as Raul likes to say. Um, We will be reviewing bowl season and we will be talking about the college football playoff games and we'll be previewing the national championship game. So that will be coming in the first week of January 2023. That is what you should expect. And you should also expect from now on that Sideline Judgment has officially joined the Pigskin Podcast Network. Woo! Tyler, we – applause is for us, I think. Applause we we need a moment, moment for us right there. Um, after six years of being completely independent, um, we are joining the Pigskin Podcast Network. We are very excited to be coming on. Um, all of the things that they offer, different networking opportunities, and – Part of the agreement is to do some ad reads. So at some point in this episode and in every episode going forward, you will be hearing about um, our lovely sponsors over at DraftKings, which as you all know, listen, I may say allegedly a lot, but I think I'm legally required to drop the allegedly from now on, Tyler. (laughs) I think that's how it's going to have to work. Um, I'm going to VPN my voice so they don't know where I'm coming from. Just so... um so yes we are very excited very happy to be joining the network um stay tuned for more on that um yeah just very happy for that very happy that we're taking the next step forward in this long lifelong journey of uh sideline judgment that tyler and i um this is our child you know it's they're they're in in like the first grade right now so they're still growing you know yeah 
but uh, this, this is our baby right here. So Pivotal taking time. care of it, giving yep. it water, light, sunlight. Is that a plant? That's not we a child. About anyway, a plant. I don't know. We're going to continue forward. Um, silly season, Tyler. Just a few updates. Nothing too crazy. Um, Brian Newberry has been promoted from Navy defensive coordinator to head coach. That is, of course, after Ken Niamatololo's dismissal, or I don't know how they officially decided. Was it like a mutual parting of ways? Was it like a dismiss? I don't know. Whatever. Don't know how it is. He's no longer the coach. Um, he was promoted internally um, in a bit of a very understandable move. Um, Zach Arnett, the Mississippi State defensive coordinator, he was initially named the interim coach for the bowl game and then was quickly just promoted internally to be the head coach for Mississippi State. Of course, on the heels of the passing of Mike Leach. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday, December 21st, which is National Signing Day, early signing day, I should say. I apologize. Um, and yesterday, there was a vigil and a memorial held at Mississippi State for Coach uh, Coach Leach. Players were there. Your boy Gardner Minshew had a nice little speech that's been yeah. making the rounds. Um, Bob Stoops spoke as well. Bob Stoops, Lane Kiffin, um, Lincoln Riley. A lot of uh, people from the Leach tree and people that that loved and knew him very well were there. So our best wishes to begin Mississippi State, the whole community, everyone impacted by that. But the unfortunate reality is that Zach Arnett is now the head coach at Mississippi State. So that is an update there. Um, Kenny Burns is now the head coach at Kent State. Um, He was the former Minnesota running backs coach. And that is because the former Kent State coach, whose name is escaping me at the moment, is now the offensive coordinator Sean at Colorado Lewis. under Deion Sanders. What was it? What was it? Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis. Thank you. Jeez, I knew it was a, a name I, I knew. Sean Lewis is now at Colorado as the offensive coordinator. So, yes, he left a head coaching job in the G5 to take a coordinator job at the Power 5, which is just another sign of the ever-changing college not, football. You know, I'm back home right now. I'm in Jacksonville, and our neighbors both went, to, both went and met at Kent State. And I just really? Haven't, I haven't rubbed it in their face yet. With, really? Really? Like, <laughs> I should get I'm, on. I'm that. surprised both <laughs> that two people in Jacksonville met. Hey, you're not. I'm just as surprised as you. <laughs> <laughs> you hear those stories about like your parents at like Florida because you know it's like an hour and twenty minutes away yeah, from well, Jacksonville. Okay. Well, my parents met in the second grade, so that's true. Uh, I, I shouldn't have said they just that. Just both went to Florida. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, so yes, um, Kent State has now being coached by Kenny Burns. Golden flashes. Eric Morris has taken over the North Texas job. He was the Washington State offensive coordinator. This is a very popular job amongst the coaching community because of the facilities that North Texas has, the money behind the program that they have. So um, very, it's it's a it was a big um, yeah. If I want a G five job, I want that one kind of situation. So mm-hmm. good for Eric Morris. He leaves Pullman and heads down to North Texas. And then the last one is Ryan Waters Walters. I apologize. Is now the head coach at Purdue. He um, was the former Illinois defensive coordinator. Um, he replaces – where are my notes here? What's wrong with me? Jeff Who's Brom. The Jeff Brom. What's wrong with me today, dude? And it's December. Like the season is – I got bowl games in the background. I'm like holidays, man. Uh, Jeff Brom. He replaces Jeff Brom as the um, Purdue head coach, former Illinois defensive coordinator, one of the best defenses in the Big Ten, one of the best defenses in the country this past season. Um, a big part of Illinois winning, I believe it was eight games this season, which is a massive turnaround from a couple big years ago. Big for them as well. Um, also earned Brett Bielema an extension. So, uh, and a big pay raise. He goes from like 4 million to like 6 million. So like, I mean, obviously like 
I'll take two million, but <laughs> I'll take just the difference that he had. But you know, still a pay raise and such. Um, again, that leaves no open jobs in college football. Tyler, anything you have to say about any of these jobs, or you want to just get right into the Gators? No, I mean, like now that everything's filled, it's uh, Mississippi State. I think I don't know much about their uh, defensive coordinator, but I feel like given the situation they're in, it's just best yeah. to promote from within. Yeah, and I, I their completely defense get has been fine. So I, I think mm-hmm. it was probably something that was going to happen. Yeah, now is um, not the time to try and go find a schematic advantage no, or whatever it is. Like, just this keep... isn't you didn't fire this guy; he didn't retire. This exactly. is not the normal situation, right? I think for that locker room, for what that program has going for it, promoting from within for your defensive coordinator, who is you know a young hot coaching commodity and like not mm-hmm. crazy, but defense. Almost, uh, I'm sure Mississippi State's defense has been good. Um, I think that this was the right choice. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And I feel the same about, um, you know, Ryan Waters. Walters. Jeez, what's wrong with me today? Ryan Walters at Purdue. Because I think it's an important distinction for a different reason, right? I think it's a great distinction where you go from Jeff Brom, who was an offensive guy, um, and really was trying to make the most of the offense there, to, you know, you kind of hire, you kind of go in a different direction from what you had. And granted, it wasn't like they fired Jeff Brom. They would have loved to keep him. He left for his essential dream job, but I think it was an important, a nice distinction there for them to be able to um, use the opportunity to redevelop an identity, especially in the mm-hmm. ever-changing um, Big Ten. You know, you, you hear the Big Ten newspapers in your town, of course. Come on, man. Like, oh no, you're in Jacksonville right now. I can't make <laughs> I'm that. I'm in the SEC right now, but you're in SEC country right now. I can't make that joke. All right, well, welcome home is what I should say. Actually, welcome home is what I should say. Um, alrighty, let's move. Let's get. Let's get into it, Tyler. All right. I hear I hear it in your voice. I know you. I've I've you've been my best friend for half a half a decade over that. And I I know when you're not feeling too hot. And I know that your personal life is going great. So I know that yeah. the only way that this is something how you're feeling is because of our beloved Florida Gators. Pretty much. And because we have to we have to do the autopsy and it's yeah. unfortunate because we don't yeah. want to, but we have to grab um, the scalpel, lay him on the table. Let's do it. Like, let's, let's, let's go into it. it. Let's cut it open. Let's cut a gator open. Um, I have put all of these questions on here, Tyler. We're going to go question by question and use it to talk about the season. Okay. okay. Let's start with a positive note, right? Let's bring our spirits back up because yes. we all know. And, and for well those lived. wondering, for those wondering, why aren't they talking about the bowl game? Did you see the bowl game? Is there anything to really discuss about the bowl game? The 30 to 3 loss to can we now call them our Oregon our State Beavers? Beavers? Yes, our okay. Beavers. Thank you Beavers. very much. 10 win Beavers, Jonathan. 10 win Beavers. Um love him. Um uh, I all I will say is that like what what has helped me get over it is the fact that I was like, "Oh yeah, we have so many players that are leaving and we're on our third string quarterback. We shouldn't have expected to compete in this game." No. No. Listen, which, when which we, we will get to the but We'll get to the transfer part in a second or after we do postmortem later on in the episode. And just the, the sheer numbers, even if it was majority guys that didn't see much playing time, there there's a depth issue that needs that was that we had in the game. And on top of that, like you said, we were down to our third string quarterback and it was for multiple reasons. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We will see. We will see. Tyler, the high point of the season. What was your high point of the season? And it's kind of okay. So it's actually kind of sad when you say it like this, but like the high point of the season was the first game, which yeah. Um, yeah, was unequivocally. And really, it's not a great sign for your college for your football season or any sports season when your highest point was your first game. 
not to say that there weren't other great moments of this for this team. There were, but like that was the biggest game. That was we won. That 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 was the big one. Um, yeah. So the Utah win. You, you is can my, go ahead and um, point of the season. You can put that as as mine as well. Um, I will say honorable mention personally for high point of the season. I I okay. There are no moral victories, right? We 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 acknowledge that. But there are things that kind of make you optimistic about the future, especially when you're in such a deep rebuild like Florida is right now. And in my opinion, the second half of the Tennessee game was also honorable mention for high point. I know we lost the game. I know people are going to come on me about you take your moral victory and you're grasping at straws and all these things. But I think it's important to use that second half as a distinction of, all right, you are losing this game unequivocally, right? Like this game's over. You're going to lose. Are you going to quit and roll over like we saw teams, Florida teams in the past, especially like I have a really sour taste in my mouth from the end of the Mullen tenure and not because of anything I have against Mullen as a play caller, not because I have anything against Mullen as for anything, all the good that he did on the field in his time at Florida. But the fact that um, at the end of 2021, you just kind of throw or end of 2020, you just kind of throw away the end of the season because you didn't go your way. And then you you kind of are resigned to this. Well, if we're not playing for a conference championship or for a national championship, whatever, what are we playing for? Like, that's not the right mentality to have in anything in life, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not criticizing Mullen as a person here, but I just think that what we needed was a game that we were going to lose. And we immediately said, OK, listen, we're getting outplayed. This lead is probably insurmountable, but it doesn't mean we're not going to try. And we did. And we almost we almost got Tennessee in that game. Mm-hmm. We really, truly, we were a missed field goal. We were a fumbled onside, a muffed onside kick away from potentially, you know, winning. Or we got them onside kick, but you know what I mean? We, we were there. And I think that's an honorable mention, in my opinion, for for that. But, of course, the Utah win unequivocally. Please, the Anthony Richardson pump fake on the two-point, spin in the air to get the two-point conversion, quite literally is the reason why we came onto this podcast and – now, in hindsight, I can say only half joking, definitely joking, but only half joking that Anthony Richardson was a Heisman contender. And it wasn't just us. It was the entire country. It was the moment where AR really got put on the map for, OK, this guy's got crazy potential. Um, so, yeah, of course, the Utah went incredible, you know, great. The, the mm-hmm. red zone interception, the, the swamp jumping at night, just a great time. It, it was everything that the swamp can be at its at its peak at its best and you and i have been to mo- to multiple of those games um where the swamp was jumping and we said this is the reason we love college football this is the reason we love our beloved florida gators you know what i mean yeah so definitely there all right let's hard pivot 180 low point of the season um what's what's yours tyler what do you think uh there's a couple of moments that can qualify but i think i mean the moment it has to be the vandy loss to me like it only in that of the many losses this season, that was the one that absolutely shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Like you look back at it, Kentucky was really tough as well because it was coming off of the great win. And then to, to, to lose to Kentucky, just really sucks. And, but the Tennessee loss was understandable. The Georgia loss, we fought hard and the LSU game was really tough. Like, and it was a good game. And the Florida state game was actually like, it was one of I think, the best quality game i think in regards to like entertainment value is one of the best ones we played in all season but that vandy loss should not have happened yeah like 
I mean, a credit to Vandy, really. But but that's the low point in the season for me. You could say it's the bowl game, but to me, the bowl game was going to be like that versus that opponent um, with the, with with the reset needed by this team. But like, and you're only in that bowl game because you lost the Vandy game. That's true. And we, we so probably would be closer to home if we win. We win the yeah, Vandy game. We probably would have had that last recruiting weekend that we didn't get. Um, yep. So to me, the Vandy game is the worst, part, lowest moment of the season. Yeah, um, I Vandy lost. Sorry, the Vandy loss. I agree. <laughs> See, you said Vandy win as if like you know we're supposed to win because we oh, are. The Vandy um, won. Oh. Yeah, Vandy did win. Um, I, I like Vandy loss, and I do think that that is true. But in my opinion, I think I am. I'm I'm not okay with the Vandy loss. Let's be perfectly clear on that. We're, we're Florida. We're not. I, I hate to. I hate to do the highbrow thing of we're Florida. We don't lose to Vandy, but we're Florida. We don't lose to Vandy. Um, and this isn't the James Franklin Vanderbilt. Like, let's be real. Yeah. They're a better team. They're, they are a better team for sure. They're but a, way, they, a way better team. They're, they're they are solid, not, they are not what their peak was. Them. Of course. That, 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 that's like, for me, just to clarify, it's like, that was the one loss that was like, we shouldn't be losing to this team. Correct. These other losses, when you look at the whole length of the season, I'm like, no, LSU is better. Georgia was better. Tennessee was better. Kentucky, in a lot of ways, uh, just had our number. They they were better. That was an equal, I think, footing team. They they mm-hmm. had us on a good matchup. Florida State's better than us. Oregon State's way better than us. Vandy's not better than us. Yeah, and we lost. And that's that's what really hurts to me. Continue. Um, and I agree with everything you said. But for me, I'm gonna have to pick the Kentucky loss, and I think it's because of the pendulum swing. Yeah, we were on such a high, and then, excuse me, and then. I think what made it worse was as the season went on and you looked at how horrible that Kentucky offensive line was like atrocious. I was like, really? We couldn't get after them. Like we, we let this, that unit decide the game because at the end of the game, they drove on us. That O line drove on us at the end of the game. And I was like, Oh, so to me, that was the lowest point of the season. In my opinion, Um, I am not the person that's very much like, I, I think we shouldn't lose to Vandy, not because of the name, not because it's wow. Vanderbilt, but because I just look at those teams and I go, there's no way this much talent should be losing to a team which with with uh, to an inferior team. With Kentucky, I don't always see that, and I think it's just because I respect Mark Stoops so much as a coach. So I don't normally have this like, if we lose to Kentucky, I'm not like unacceptable. This is not whatever. I'm like, no, man, Mark Stoops is a really good coach, you know? Yeah, with Vandy, I kind of have a little bit more respect with Clark Lee from what I saw throughout the year, especially because they were they they had Ole Miss on the ropes for most of their game that they ended up losing, but they were close in there, and there were there were a lot of high points for Vandy this year. Obviously, the Florida win beat Kentucky as well. They beat Kentucky as well, so a lot of things there, um, and that's why I'm not really pinpointing the Vandy loss as the low point. It sucked, but. I think looking at that Kentucky offensive line, I was like, oh, my God, that's horrendous. And, you know, I also wanted to give a little bit of a different opinion because I know for a fact you were going to say the Vandy loss because it is the easy answer because it's probably the right answer. And I might be wrong. I'm probably wrong with this Kentucky take. Well, I, mean, I just see that Kentucky the, O-line the and Kentucky I'm like, man, really we really hurt. Like, it really yeah. hurt. We really got God. So, um, all right, let's move to individual units, Tyler, individual position units. Let's talk about the offense as a whole. What did you think of the offense this season? What did you like? What did you dislike? Strengths, weaknesses, and what grade would you give the offense? 
Uh, grade would probably be like a B or a B minus. Like, I it because the running game was great, and there were moments where Anthony Richardson, like road Anthony Richardson, showed up, or like like there were moments where they like it really started to hit its stride. But then there are other moments where it just it got thrown into the mud. The offense wasn't creative enough. Um, and it wasn't executed in the right way. And I think part of that is, is like just matching your personality, the offense, players, whatever the reason, Anthony Richardson made some mistakes. Like the, it was good when we scored. We, we, and Anthony Richardson kind of proved being out of the bowl game and being out so many players that it's like, oh, he mattered to this offense. Like even though it was clunky sometimes, but like we scored 38 points against Florida State. We were in, in a shootout. We, we've, we scored like in average, I think we averaged like 20 to 30 points a game. Like that's, we're not a bad offense. It wasn't as creative as the Mullen years, but um, but it was never going to be. And the running game was so dynamic that that really makes up for a lot of it. And the passing game was super so so. But like, I just can't really give it more than a B because, like, it was good at times for most of the season, but it didn't. It never really hit that next gear, you know. Mm-hmm. And at least the gear I that, see that I was accustomed to, like. Um, I, I yeah. yeah I just I, I see that and we we had this argument and this is a, this is another thing with like we had an argument I, I was partaking an argument with uh, from a friend of ours about the Mullen tenure that people missed him and that he would have scored more points and like the whole point is that Mullen can score points with walk-ons so why would he ever recruit that was his whole problem I just mm-hmm. think yes Billy Napier's not as great of an offensive mind as Dan Mullen but like can I can I can I say something not many people are no like nobody is but like the whole point is just like you're right. Mullen would score more points with this group, and then the, the team would continue to be worse. Like, um, yeah. so anyway, right? Listen, I, I don't know. I get I just, it. It was good. But. I get it, and I I think your B grade is probably spot on. Um, I I I'm gonna give it an A, and I'm gonna explain to you why. This was one of the best rushing offenses in the country, in the yeah. nation, like top five. I think that we I think we peaked at like two. At one point, we had a consensus first team All-American guard that Billy Napier brought with him. I want to emphasize that Billy yeah. Napier brought with him. Um, we had the best offensive line in the SEC, run, rushing, running game, running game, I should say, emphasize. Um, we had the emergence of Trevor Etienne, which I think everyone can say is probably the high, the like, highlight of the 2022 season the mm-hmm. emergence of trevor etn as capital h him um you had montreal johnson who billy napier brought over um that made a big impact in that running game as well it was kind of a it was a dual-headed monster that oh by the way we could also run anthony richardson because he's six foot six 240 and can run over anyone that he wants if if, if need be so we had this three-headed rushing attack that if we wanted to, was lethal. Now, did we always use it to our ability? No, and we will get to that in my coaching grade. But I think in the offense as a whole, I think was spot on A. I'm not even A plus, but I just think it was a solid A. It did its job. We had players emerge for the future. We had an offensive line that was very, very well done, very well put together, very well coached. And we had a running back, um, excuse me, we had a quarterback that, had the deep ball when he wanted and if it wasn't for injuries to the wide receivers honestly maybe would have had a bit more of an involved um passing game 
Um, coaching, we'll get to coaching and play calling and stuff. That to me is different. It's in a different category. And I, I hope that my grade reflect accurately reflects what the audience right now is thinking. Um, because yes, I did see that screen passes were thrown on third downs multiple times and the, they, it, it did get a bit predictable in the play calling. I completely see you. I hear you. We'll get to that in a bit on the coaching section, but in terms of the offense as a whole, in terms of the players, in terms of the emergence, in terms of the fact that, listen, I get it. It's not the Mullen experience. It's not creative offensive play calls. What made Mullen so great is that when he got there, he had the players that, that were necessary in order for him to um, win how he wanted. And then those guys immediately graduated. Um, and then he had to kind of shift, right? Because the quarterback that he had was Kyle Trask and he was more of a, he, he was more of a passing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mullen is such a good offensive mind that in the middle of the season, he can pivot from a more spread rushing attack offense to a more pass heavy offense. That's what Mullen can do. That's not Napier. And listen, I understand that people, like you said, want to be clamoring back and we both participating in, in that discussion over the weekend. And that's okay. I respect the opinion of those people. I love our friends specifically that we had those conversations with. Nothing against them. I just think that in order for the program as a whole to succeed, you need to take a different approach on how you build it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very much uh, – okay, soccer reference. It's very much Italy in the 90s. They would defend, 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 defend and hit you on the counterattack and they would score and they would beat you and they were really successful. And it became, oh, Italy's known for their great defense. That's one way of playing. It doesn't all have to be hyper attack, hyper attack. You can play a different way and win a championship. I personally don't care how you do it as long as you win. (laughs) Personally, that's a Sergio thing. Uh, But I understand stylistically. Big big agree here. Yeah. But I understand stylistically because Florida made its name in the 90s with Fun and Gun and Spurrier. And Mullen came in and he revived that for a few years. And it was really exciting. I get all of that. Um, This isn't. Muschamp offense bad. No, this isn't no, no, McElwain no, no. offense bad, but it's not what we it's, are used to it's seeing. Just, it's such a weird pendulum swing because like mm-hmm. Muschamp offense was bad, McElwain offense was bad, mm-hmm. Mullen offense was so good. Yeah, and this offense is just good. It's good. Right. Like right. It's and not listen, bad. what what they did it's well, not, it's not. They it's were not one great. of the best in the country yeah. at, which is running the football with a triple headed monster of. Tra- Trevor Etienne, I almost said Travis, Trevor Etienne, Montreal Johnson, and Anthony Richardson behind a consensus first team All-American in Osiris Torrance, another projected NFL draft pick in Richard Gourage, and a bunch of young offensive linemen. That's a great recipe for success. Put a guy like Ricky Pearsall in the slot, put a guy, big guy like Justin Shorter out at X or Z, and you're looking good with a cannon like AR had. That was good to me. The offense, the, I understand the process. I get that the play calling wasn't there. We'll get to that in coaching. I know I've said that a few times. But I am giving this unit an A because I think that on that field, you give me that unit in NCAA revamped, I'm 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 doing some good stuff. And to me, that is an indicator of how the offense was. Yeah. And I love how there were a bunch of young guys on there too. So yeah. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Other side of the ball, the defense. Um, do you want do you want to split this into like mini zones and then we can kind of give an overall grade? I, I want to know. I mean, if you want to, I, I only okay. have like one player that has a different grade from everybody else. Like, <laughs> so, okay. So Ventra Miller Ventra gets Miller an gets A plus plus. A plus like, plus. A, a, yeah. a top of the class graduate. He's the speaker at the graduation. He's valedictorian. Yeah, valedictorian. That's Trevor Ventro Miller. Um, okay. Let's do that. Ventro Miller. A plus Love plus. him. Defense was completely different with him on the field versus off the field. As we all saw. 
Um, what about let's let's talk about the things that we thought went wrong defensively, because I feel like you and I are going to have similar grades for the defense. What do you think went wrong? What do you think went right? And what's your grade? Um, depth at the defensive line was an issue. Um, I would say more defensive tackle. Like, can, uh, can I pause you for a second? Yeah. Just to have the discussion. I think this is a great place to have it. Can we blame kind of like how I did, wasn't blaming the play calls, the weird, erratic, unexplained play calls on offense on the offensive unit, meaning the players? Can we blame the depth on the guys there? Because th- that's not their fault. I don't even blame that on Napier because that's a yeah, problem but, okay. coming in, you oh. know? Yes, I understand, but like, like we're grading a, a unit, and the unit was bad, and it's okay. not those players' you're fault. You're right. And you're right; it's not their fault. It's the coach's fault from a previous tenure. I'm not grading that tenure. We already gave them a bad grade. They you're got right. fired. Right. Like, was the unit good? Because, like, if I'm just saying, if we're gonna use that logic, we can give every unit in the country an A because whatever problems they have, it's like might not be their fault. It's like it's not depth. It's not like, um. So I hear what you're saying, and I do agree because it's not their fault. And I think at times they did a lot with it. Like I could see, it's like hard for me to give this this unit any the defense any more than a C. It was just a passing grade because they had moments. They had good moments. There was no big elite moments. There were many like tough games. They gave up the most first downs in any Florida defense in history. Now, I'm starting to take a little bit of things out of that because guess what? We're living in the greatest offensive time of college football. Like. And that has only continued as time has gone on to get better and better. And so, not, not to put the emotional tie, but bleach. We're not, I mean, to, in all seriousness. Yeah. This is like, yeah, it's like, oh, this isn't as good as like the 90s defense. It's like, it will never be as good. An elite defense, like Georgia's defense now on numbers is not going to be as good as a, as a 90s defense. Cause and, the, and even and take take away. Changed. Like, yeah. And and, take away the offensive change. You can't. You can't Ray. Uh, you can't Sean. You can't Sean Taylor someone anymore. You know. Yeah, you, you can't, can't come that. across it's... the middle of the field and just knock a receiver out. You know. You can't yeah. Ed Reed someone. You, you just can't do that anymore. Yeah, that that. So, I I don't really that that record doesn't really matter that much to me because like like most first downs ever given up by a Gators defense. I'm like okay, well you know more offenses make more first downs now than ever before. Um, so how I mean. I, but this unit wasn't good. They, I don't think they were terrible. I think a lot of people were like this is the worst Gator defense you've ever seen. And I was like, I don't know what TV screen y'all been watching the last two years, but this is not worse than what we had with Todd Grantham, like in my opinion. And I will say, and this kind of ties into the coaching thing. Like, I don't think it's a coaching problem necessarily. I, I think it's the players, and like I hate to say that, but it's like Mullen neglected this side of the ball. Let Todd, and this is all Todd Grantham recruits for a Todd Grantham system that wasn't good to begin with. Mm-hmm. And talk about dated. Yeah. Patrick Tony is now having to pick up the pieces. And like, like I talk a lot about this one play. It was the Missouri game. It was like a third and 19. And we forced Brady Cook to throw to the, an, uh, to the running back on third and 19, like at the line of scrimmage. Like there's just nowhere else to throw. And the, one of the cornerbacks just misses the tackle on him, and that running back gets the first down. That, is that really on Patrick Tony? No, like that's on the players no. not executing their tackles. And yes, tackling is part of coaching, but also tackling is part of the players. Like, additionally, 
those there's the big Jordan Travis plays in the FSU game, where it's like those were the right calls. They they proved that they could work, and the players didn't tackle, they didn't execute. Yeah. Um, also, additionally, Jordan Travis just made amazing plays. I don't want to take that away from him. So I feel like I've been talking for too long, but <laughs> they were fine. Yeah. They, you're, you're, they, first of all, you're never talking for too long. It, thanks, buddy. <laughs> it is. I know. I, I know. I, I tend to go on rambles a lot, but it is. This is our podcast. It's not just sergio ramble hour so please i love when you go in depth and and give us more analysis because you you're, you have such a good football brain and i think yeah i, I want to hear it more often thanks buddy. uh i i honestly cannot add on to what you said that's how good it was i completely agree with you i want to especially emphasize that patrick tony point and for you the my example of a one play you, you give me a c as well yeah i think the same exact same thing my example, and let me emphasize real quick. If it was not for Ventrell Miller, this would be a D. Oh, yeah. 100%. The man is so good that he brought, he single handedly brought the Gators defense up a letter grade, in my opinion. And you saw it happen in the bowl game. You saw how much of a difference it was. Yeah. Which, by the way, parentheses, Derek Wingo, they were mentioning him a lot in the broadcast. He was basically filling in in the Ventrell Miller role. Looked better than I anticipated. At that time, I know he got hurt in the game, but he should be fine for spring. Nothing major should be fine for spring ball next season. My criticism of him was that he he wasn't as quick as I thought he would be. This guy's a former four star prospect out of St. Thomas down here. Had a lot of hype when he was was signed. Just now hasn't lived up to it in that sense. I'm hoping that, you know, now that Milt Ventrell's gone, Herbie was saying on the broadcast that we're going to quote unquote depend on him to be that guy next year. We'll see. I hope he improves. If we get the versions we've seen before, I'm not as excited. But if we got flashes of the guy in the bowl game, I am excited. With yeah. that being said, I don't want to blame Patrick Tony. And my example of like I go back to this one play was going to be the third down, um, the Jordan Travis play, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that we have two, the first one of the Jordan Travis incredible plays in the Florida State game. It, it was the perfect play call. Not only was it the perfect play call, and it doesn't help that it was a third down blitz, and it's like oh shades of Grantham. I get it, PTSD, but. Just because we just because third and Grantham was a thing doesn't mean we can't blitz the quarterback on yeah, third down. People anymore. blitz on third down. It's, it's the Grantham thing. always blitz more than third down. He blitzed exactly. all the time. Like, exactly. Um, so he, those guys were in the right spots. They were just guys that weren't. I hate to say I hate to do that because these guys are better athletes than I will ever be in my entire life. They just weren't good enough. They just weren't uh-huh. good enough to get the job done. And um, it's unfortunate, but I think. If you look at the recruiting class, if you look at the recruiting class that we have coming in, the recruiting class setting up for 2024, there are a lot of defensive players on there, like yeah. a lot, a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of secondary players, um, not as many linebackers as we do have some depth there now, but it, it's it's a big thing. And when you look at the transfer p- players leaving the portal and players that have either graduated or are going to the draft and stuff, there's a lot of defensive guys that are just not going to be there. This defense is it's going to be a two year I'm telling you right now, we'll get to that later, but the defense is, is going to be better next season. I fully believe that. But it will still have some growing pains because it'll be all yeah. of these replacements and, guys getting first-year reps, you know? And like we on this show, I think, give Patrick Tony a lot of leeway and we support him and I want to see how it goes because, again, this is actually a thing that I'm talking about in total with the Gators that I'm going to bring up now and I, I meant to bring up later, but I'm just going to mm-hmm. bring up now because it's my yeah. philosophy. A lot of people I know are like, he's got to prove Billy Napier and his staff have got to prove it in the next year. And I'm like, guys, if we keep doing this, firing people so quickly, like we're never going to get out of this rut that we're in. Yep. Like, and 
I want to see Patrick Tony with another year because I want to see how it goes. Now, as a defensive coordinator, it is not your only job to just call the right plays with your players and make sure that, and the players need to execute. You need to get you need to make those players get better. Yes. So I need to see improvement in in next year. Just like because- in the draft where you, you draft on potential, you recruit on potential. And the reason these guys have such high recruiting ratings is because, listen, this guy can develop into XYZ. But the operative word there is develop. You need to make sure they develop. And I, I like that we have um, – we brought in that de- the defensive backs coach from LSU that people right now are like, oh, what good did he do? Listen, man, you – no – listen, Trey Dean, if you ever want to come on the podcast, I would love to have you. I have nothing against you. But you can only teach a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, fifth-year veteran so many tricks. Like you can only you can only Trading coach him so was much. What trading was Trading. exactly, and he was a very important aspect of this defense for four to five years. And I'm very thankful that he was there. And the even the the team saw how big of a leadership. I mean, the new coaches saw how much of a leadership role, how important he was to Florida. By the fact that they used a lot of NIL stuff to keep him around. When they came in for their first season, they understood that he was a locker room leader voice. A lot of guys respect him. I had nothing against him. He just isn't at the level that you need to win an SEC championship. And that's yeah. okay. I hope that he's a late bloomer. I hope that he ends up having a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson career where Chauncey, before he got hurt with the Eagles this year, was leading the league in the interceptions. Like, I hope he can develop into something like that because people didn't think Chauncey was a big deal coming out of college either. So anyway, I'm diverging. We're, we're, we're rambling and splitting apart. The point is, we got to give it time. I agree with you, Tyler, that you yeah. can't just force these expectations on them right you, away. And you got to like give that. it time. But that being said, like there needs to be some improvement next year. Yes, yes, there needs to, there needs to be some improvement next year. Just like Tyler, there needs to be an improvement in our bank accounts. And the only way that we can improve in our bank accounts, Tyler, is by making sure that we come on in and we drop the allegedly, my friend. This is, ladies and gentlemen, the first ad read in sideline judgment history. Woo! And, and, and I want to let you guys know that when when you're going and betting on the NFL this holiday season, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting sport, one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL, is the way to go. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to make a parlay, make a bet, throw a little side thing on there, make sure you do it with DraftKings Sportsbooks, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, right now, new customers, they can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And they will get, get this, Tyler, get this, $150 in free bets if you do. Everyone can sign up. It's a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays as well. So for example, last week, if you were, oh, I don't know if you were in Jacksonville and you noticed that the Dallas Cowboys were winning a game in the third and you said, you know what? I got full faith in Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to do, I'm going to put a same game parlay of Jags to win and Jack's to win in overtime and buy an interception. Oh, the amount of money you could have made on that game, Tyler. The amount of money you could have made on that game. Go to DraftKings Sportsbooks, the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You place the same game parlay, combine multiple bets, like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs that you add, the bigger the boost, and your bigger your shot to win. Um, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. You can use code TPPN, which stands for the Pigskin Podcast Network, that is code TPPN, pays a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That is only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see the show notes for details. 
How was that, Tyler? I, I, I'm, I would just watch you live your best life. Um, I, listen, I'm um, woo, floating on cloud nine, ladies and gentlemen. Your, 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 your steps to becoming a radio host are just, ooh. I'm, I, you just got to land the transitions. Lady, listen, that was a beautiful I, I, transition, by the way. <laughs> I was like smiling ear to ear. I know podcasting is not a visual medium, but um, I was very happy with that. Listen, from now on, uh, I told Tyler when we, you know, this has been in the works for a few weeks, a couple weeks now. And when we secured this partnership, I told them, all right, when we do the ad reads, I am not going to tell you when we're doing them. They are not in the rundown. I am trying to find an organic place to slip them in. Um, and part of the fun now of the podcast will be, how can I get Tyler to not expect an ad read is coming and then give an ad read. So very happy about that. Um, thank you so much to the pod, uh, Pixie and podcast network that we are member, uh, now a member of. And once again, thanks to DraftKings Sportsbooks, the e- official, uh, one of the official betting partners of the NFL that's code TPPN. You can find the show notes for details. Tyler, we do have some notes on the special teams unit, though. Yeah. Not as many as we had for the offense yeah. and defense. Um, I'll, I'll put it plain and simple. This is a D for me. Um, yeah, well, I, I, it, bumps nice. up, it bumps up to a D plus for me because uh, 436 and counting. Um, oh, go, go, go. Timeout, timeout, timeout. 436 and counting. Chef's kiss. Love to see it. I don't think that that's worthy of he improving it from a field D- goal, man. <laughs> he made the field goal. <laughs> Is Mahalik a good kicker? I don't think so, but he made the most important field goal of the season. That, but but that's the question. I don't. Here here's why it's no, a D no, to me. I, I was more of a joking. It is. Oh, a D. I, I, I know. It, no. Here's I why it's a D. I don't know who the I don't know who the kicker is, and and it's not because I don't know the options. It's I don't know who our best kicker is. Special teams wise, in terms of kickoff and kickoff return, non-existent punt return outside of that one Ricky Pearsall punt return in the game against Eastern Washington, an FCS opponent really wasn't anything there. Um, And on the punt team, I think we had, what, two or three blocked punts this year, punts that were blocked punts that were blocked. I don't it, even recall. It just wasn't wasn't good enough. Wasn't good. Well, Give okay. it a D. It wasn't an it, F. It, but it, it was not. Was this, this unit was not a negative, in my opinion in any department but the kicking here's the thing special teams do not provide you a positive to your team which is not you want special teams to be giving you a plus one to your team however most teams are just at a net zero for their special teams here's the the real thing is that like mahalik was just so inconsistent as a kicker this is a negative unit on the team like he he tried out there and i'm like i can't be guaranteed that you're going to make this you know College kickers, man. Um, College, listen. No, and, and that's, I miss Evan McPherson. Oh, I miss Evan McPherson so much, too. Um, not much to say there. Just wanted to get better. That's it. Um, all right, Tyler. Coaching staff. This is a bit more. This is a nuanced grade. This is a nuanced grade. And I think what we need to do is we need to. I think we need to grade it with. I think it's impossible to separate the off-field stuff with the on-field stuff. Um. And I know I'm going to get flack for this, but I would like to go first. Go. The coaching staff gets a B for me. Okay. And they get a B. I know a lot of people are thinking that is way too high, more of a C minus range. But they get a B because the things that they have been doing off the field, we're going to see the fruits of that labor later on in the tenure. It's not an immediate thing. 
I think that there were a lot of questionable things done on the field this season. For example, as much as I love Billy Napier and I'm a defender, Billy, I think I think we need to get an offensive coordinator. I think as as much listen, we just came from the greatest, and this might be hyperbole, but we just at least at least one of the best. I don't say greatest because that kind of puts historical context in it, but one of the best offensive-minded head coaches who calls their own plays in Dan Mullen. I don't think you can get any better than that in the modern era. You can make an argument for Spurrier in his heyday was the best to do it. Um, but we just came from that. And I think I think I think it worked for Napier in the Sun Belt. And I think this is one of the differences where I don't believe that just because Oh yeah, we went and hired you know the the whole Sunbelt Billy things when he you know early on in recruiting. Oh, he can't get it done this and that. Or when Sunbelt Billy when he's throwing screen passes on third and four and it's not working out in this and that or whatever. But I do think that this is one of those areas where he needs to make a change to succeed at a higher level of play at the highest level of play in the SEC, mm-hmm. especially it, with the expectations that a f- program like Florida has. You know, yeah. So I think that he needs to make a change there. But listen. To lose out on, a, on, on some recruits, to, lo- to lose out on big name recruits in the summer, to put out an open letter because the fan base was so up in arms and worried, and then to turn it around and land exclusively four-star recruits, exclusively blue-chip players, and then the two players that you missed out on in the summer that prompted the open letter, you then flip in October or November of that same year and you end up getting them anyway? Come on, man. That's... That's some big boy stuff. That's yeah. some big boy recruiting trail stuff. That's no. That's not a Sun Belt. That's not Sun Belt Billy. That's blue chip Billy right there. Listen, we and it's year one, and I really do believe that that you need to put that in perspective, um, and you need to go ahead and pull that back. Is it as good as I think it's necessary for us to compete for SEC championships? Not yet, but I I don't I haven't seen anything that makes me go. Oh, okay. Yes, he's doing. He's missing out on there's these recruits, that, and that's going to be a problem. I haven't seen like, that. That won't work. You know, like exactly. There, yeah, exactly, exactly. Man. So for me, while there were those things, and again, we just talked about Patrick Tony. We don't have to get back into it, but I think that he did a good job. I, I think that was the defensive issues were player execution. The defensive issues, in my opinion, were player execution. The offensive issues were mostly underdeveloped talent talent not reaching their full potential i.e an anthony richardson which we're both on record saying we don't think he should have declared for the draft in terms of preparedness but also when you're going to be projected a first rounder i understand um but i think most of them were were play calling and coaching related issues on the offense so i think there's a balance i think if you're giving them a a grade for on field i think maybe a c minus is warranted but i give them an i give them an a for recruiting so for me it balances out to a b yeah. Because in recruiting and off the field stuff, I think the overhaul is still in the works, still in the process. But I think it's going to work out in the long run. I think it, it's going to it's going to work. I haven't te- been this optimistic about the off field stuff in a long time with Florida. So that's the thing I, I've talked about at length over the season is that like it's even even though we have the same record as last year, it feels different because there is a trajectory here. There is a the play the off the recruiting class is better. The um, there seems to be some improvement now. And I think Billy Napier should get at least three years because it's such a rebuild. Um, and I think I think Billy Napier will ultimately um, prove himself the right guy for the job. That being said, 
Um, well, that being said, I, I agree with you. I think Billy Napier needs to, to take a look at his staff. Like, okay, and I don't have a problem with the bringing over people from your Sunbelt staff, from the Louisiana staff, because, like, hey, may, some of them might be perfect for the big leagues and some of them might crumble, and you have to, you have to make that evaluation. But it's – I think Billy Napier definitely needs to bring in more offensive minds. And, and again – Billy Napier doesn't have to necessarily relinquish play calling duties, but I need an injection of creativity into that offense. I need some something new, something valuable. That is the best um, way to put it, an injection of creativity. That is a, the best way to put it. Just think, Mullen, Mullen never stopped calling the plays, but the best 40 years were also when Brian Johnson was also there. Um, and Brian Johnson's like, when Brian Johnson left, um, those plays, they – they weren't quite as good. They were there's a little bit less creativity. It was still one of the best, most well designed offenses in the country. And, but and can I and can I pause you for a second? I just want to give Brian Johnson his flowers really quickly oh because God, yeah. a lot of the narrative around him was, oh, he's Mullen's offensive coordinator. How much does he really do? Take a look at Jalen Hurts this season and look to see what that man is doing as the quarterbacks coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just listen. Hurts was always good. I didn't expect him to be an MVP candidate. No, I thought I he would be a solid starter in the NFL. Good. I didn't, yeah. I didn't expect that. He's I quite literally that, an MVP candidate. It's, it's him and to his own work, work ethic, and it's also credit to Brian Absolutely. But so my just credit point, to him. I want to yeah. give him flowers. The whole point here being that I think Billy Napier needs to add to his offensive staff. And like you need to evaluate who here didn't deserve to be brought up from the Sun Belt and who here is fine. Like, And you know, only Billy's going to be able to figure that out. I think that you can't get complacent. I don't think he will because like that was one of the biggest issues with the Mullen tenure was complacency. It was one of the biggest issues with the McElwain tenure was complacency. Um, I don't think that was so much an issue with the Muschamp tenure. We just were bad. Um, and but complacency is is was the thing that killed Mullen. And it's just like he didn't want to replace Kyle Rantham. He didn't want he didn't want to recruit. He's he's like I'm fine with what we're doing. Yeah. That can't happen. And the best coaches are constantly reevaluating what they want to do with their program. So we'll see kind of in this offseason because, like, if, if anything, it's added or taken away. Great stuff is happening off the field. I feel positive there. This is a big offseason because, like, I will also give them a B, maybe trend towards a B minus just because, like, and again, this is an expectations thing. We started the year off so hot. And I mean, we're basically Pac 12 champions. I uh, okay. It was a joke. It's a joke, people. I mean, USC's a Big Ten team, so that was an that was a non conference game. So the Pac twelve championship was a non conference game. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but I think there's there's positive trajectory. I think mm-hmm. it needs the time because you're you're doing something about recruiting. And that being said, I think they need to be better next year. I think they can be better next year. Uh, we need to see coaching development of the players. Yeah. Because like it is more important to recruit. Let's let's be real clear. Let's be really more important. Right now, for today's National Science Day as we're recording this, Gators, I think, currently are number 12 in, in the rankings. Everything fall in a couple spots because of some people decommitting and things like that. However, their player ranking, like the average, like the average player value would put them at sixth in the yeah, country. And I want to emphasize that. We will get to the transfer portal in a second, but you you can't. It's we're not going to take a full it's class. Not a full picture. Oh, yeah. We can't. Yeah. Well, we can't take a full class because of literally the amount of scholarships you can give out. Yeah. So we're we're not gonna we're not gonna be as high as we want because we need to fill in immediate gaps with the portal. Um. 
So, but let, I think that per player ranking is very important. That being in the top five, six is very important well, for yeah. for year one. Really good, and really good. Those relationships are going to continue to build. So correct, correct. It's this weird thing where, like, I don't think they did the best job that they could have this season. I think there were mm-hmm. a lot of things left on the table, and but the trajectory I think is there, and that's what's really yeah. important. Now, will I? Do I think that it, it's tough? Because like my thing about this season is that like you really, if if you could have just con- convinced Anthony Richardson to come back for one more year, like that could have we're, changed. We're, Put a let's let's put a feather in that yeah. cap. We will get to that in the transfer portal, but, we'll and that's that. that's a transfer portal conversation. But yeah, yeah. I get that. Coaching wise, I agree with you. It was kind of all over the place there, but like coaching, yeah, I agree with you. The trajectory is there, and yeah. uh, I don't think anything has happened to dissuade from that trajectory. We are recruiting better than we were prior. Yeah. Um, the team, the makeup of the team is starting to to shift now that mm-hmm. transfer portal is open. We'll kind of get to that later. Yeah. And I think I think things are trending in the right direction. But so I think we can both agree with this is a big off season for us. Like, yeah, I, I think we can both agree with like a B minus. Right? I think B minus yeah. is the right spot. I think. Listen, my last thing on coaching, Billy, you can be Scott Frost, who took his entire staff over from UCF to Nebraska and was stubborn and did not want to change until it was too late, or you can be Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, who after a four and eight season, quite literally cleaned house, rebuilt. And got that team back to 10 wins. Notre Dame and Florida are of similar profile programs in terms of the players they can land, prestige. You can be Sonny Dykes at TCU, comes over to TCU, doesn't really change super much mm-hmm. like in regards to this. Like can can I re- two seconds really quickly? Because we we do have to, we do have to start wrapping up, but it's unfair to compare Billy Napier to Sonny Dykes because as much as Gary Patterson wasn't a fan of NIL and when it started changing, kind of kind of refused to do certain things, he he recruited well. He had good players on that roster. He knew what he was doing on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, it's not quite the same starting point. It's not the but... same situation in terms of there. It's just it just shows to see how good of a coach he is that he's he's got this group of players and was like, Y'all are really good. Why weren't you playing better? And then got them to the playoff, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right, Tyler. Overall twenty twenty two grade, what would you give it? I mean, I think I'd have to give it a C, honestly. Like I am right I, there I with just, you. Just a six and seven record. But like like last year's six and seven record felt like a D because mm-hmm. like it was bad. This was I mean, this was disappointing, but also, you know, this is the first year there is trajectory going forward. Now that there were a couple of days removed from the bowl game lost, left a bad taste in our mouth. You also can look back and be like, that bowl game didn't really matter. And like like it it, it probably it could all these games, one of the things I talked to my so a lot of people about when it comes to the story of a season or a coach or a college football team is that sometimes there's a lot of moments where it's like, this could matter, but it might not, you know, that bowl game we just lost since Oregon state that could matter in the, in the trajectory of the program. It probably won't though. Like um, if, yeah. if, if Billy Napier had not scored any points, if Mahalik had not kicked that field goal, it probably would have mattered. Yeah, and listen, I, I can't be a hypocrite and sit here and criticize Mullen for not caring about games down the stretch when you were done and then be like, oh, yeah, but the bowl game didn't matter. No, I, I think Billy Napier had the mentality of – and you can see in his yeah. post-game press conference that he really did care about playing, whereas Mullen was like, yeah, our season was over, so we were just kind of here to collect the check no, yeah. or whatever, though, whatever he said. I'm just saying that like there's a tendency in sports media – I say this all the time, and I feel like I'm beating, all, uh, beating, beating a dead horse, but there's a tendency in – sports media 
to after every thing that happens be like what does this mean yeah like how does this affect what's going to happen and so it's like i i see a lot like as i just out myself uh i was at the uh, jacksonville jaguars game this last weekend i know we kind of mentioned earlier first of all i'm three and oh when i attend the jacksonville jaguars this season just saying talk um, to him talk to him um you should you talk, should talk yeah, to the trevor sure, lawrence haters you should talk to the trevor lawrence haters talk to him, him uh, y'all don't know what you're talking about um he's always been him uh anyway the whole thing is that like i see a lot of it in the media after that game being like what's wrong with dallas and like what what does this mean for the jaguars and like part of me is just like i think what happened was that dallas is a good team and the jaguars proved they're a good team and the jaguars just beat them like sometimes that's all that really ma- it is <laughs> yeah um yeah, and, and it, you don't. It, you you you'll, one you'll of the best Oregon State that. teams in history beat a Florida team that was down 30, was, 25, 30 guys, and to his third string quarterback who had not played yeah. a snap all year. Yeah, yeah. So I, you, mm-hmm. I get you. I get you. Anyway, all right. See, I, I'm not, I'm not even going to elaborate more because I I agree with you. We'll both give it a C. I think you're right there. And and again, the off off the field stuff to me brings it up because yes, it was disappointing. It was there disappointing. Is, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So speaking of lights at the end of the tunnel, we're, we're a bit further down that tunnel than we were last year. How do you feel, excuse me, how do you feel now compared to how you did this time last year? If you could give okay. us, if you could give us in one word last year in, in terms of um, after, so in, in bowl season recruiting time, cause it is early signing day. So let's put it early signing day. Um, how do you feel right now compared to how you felt at this point in the football calendar uh, last season? In, in Give me a word. Knowledgeable. Okay. Because I, the reason I would say that is like by this time last year, we had hired Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to feel better, even though this season was better than last season, even though we had the same record. It was just way better to watch this season than it was last mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Despite that. It's hard for me to say that like it feels better than last season because at this time last season we just hired Billy Napier, the guy that you and I wanted, and it was just like we're back, baby, like we're on the right path, like and now we know more, all right. Mm-hmm. And I still believe, and I think, but now you're in the weeds of it. You know more about what this tenure is, what the what the coaching tendency is like, um, you know, and all these things, and you know, you know the players that we're trying to recruit. You know how the staff goes on the trail, and you know how much yeah. Billy does. He meant up, lived up to it. He does want to recruit very, like, so. I feel more knowledgeable now. Nice. I my word is nervous, and it's got a double meaning. It, it's good nervous and a bad nervous, right? I feel like we're at a, we're we're entering. We're not there yet, but we are approaching a crossroads. We're approaching a turning point. In terms of, all right, is this Billy Napier experiment going to work or is it not? I still, 10 out of 10 times, would make the Billy Napier higher. Yes. I think it's the right hire and the right spot, and I agree all that. Um, but uh, nervous is my word because I think it could go either way. I completely acknowledge that. I am more optimistic that it will go in a positive way because I think he's been doing some things that prior coaches haven't. Um, but nervous is my word for how I feel this the last true. year. It didn't, it wasn't a smashing success this first year. So, right. and as, as you know, fan is short for fanatic. Um, true. Very true. Um, all right. What are your, what are your off season expectations? Off season expectations. Uh, this team is going to stack up in the transfer portal, um, mm-hmm. as much as it can. This, this team is just going to look very different from this last year's team. 
mm-hmm. and I'm excited. My my expectation is just to learn a lot of new stuff, like a lot of new names. Um, I basically be going in with a fresh team, and I'm interested in how the quarterback situation is going to play out. I'm interested mm-hmm. in just the, the way the roster is going to play out. The, I think we're still awaiting the biggest decision of is that is Ricky Pearsall going to come back? Um, that's going to change how I feel about it a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, my expectation for the off season, I think that they close out strong in the, uh, in the late signing window. Um, mm-hmm. The February one. Yeah, the February one. I think you get those kids on campus. They they provide an immediate boost of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go from there. I think. I think that again, it doesn't feel like that way probably to a lot of people, but I think that there is a, there's a positive trajectory here. Yeah, I agree. I I think I think um, yeah. I, I I think similarly to you. I think my biggest the biggest thing that I want to see is I I want to know I want to know the offensive identity going into next year. I want to know what we what we should expect what type of team we're going to see um because i feel like last year there was a lot of oh we got anthony richardson coming in um you know let's let's go ahead and let's put put him on the pedestal and this and that or whatever and turns out listen mullen should have started anthony richardson last season in 2021 so that he could get those jitters out because clearly he was the better long-term option over emory but i can now see why mullen was like "Mm, not yet Mm, not yet you know what i mean there's yeah. I, I get it i get it i would like to be able to have some confidence in what this offensive identity is going into next season and i want to see my i want an i want an athletic article talking about the off-season de- re- regimen of the defense and how they're working yeah. to prove and then and getting guys on the same page i want that optimism for the defense i want to i want these new guys to come in and establish remember when we had dante fowler would bring the chucky doll and when vernon hargraves would show up in blazers to games and sunglasses not talk to anyone with the earring hanging i want that uf defensive swagger back i want that you're gonna come to the swamp and we're gonna hit you in the mouth and we're going to be a nuisance for four quarters and the stadium's gonna be yelling at you i want the keanu neal type types i want the chauncey gardner johnson types I want the Wilson brothers types. I want the tease Tabor types. Back. I want yeah. I want that swagger back. I want that attitude back. Um, I would like to see that going into next season. All right, last one, Tyler, before we talk about the portal. What are your early expectations for 2023? Um, what do you what do you what are you thinking? I found this on the web. Nope. See, Siri wants to tell me her uh, expectations. My my early expectations is a is a a similar. I think it's going to be a slow start as opposed to a hot start this year. Mm-hmm. And then I think they'll settle in just because the quarterback situation, the offensive situation, um, based on what we, based on what we know now, uh, at this moment that we're recording, um, prior to Christmas, <laughs> um, I think, I think it's going to be, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a similar record year in, but I like, I think a little bit of improvement. I, I do, I do see seven and five and eight and four on the table for this team. So here, but, here's, here's the thing. You want to play a really early version of the game. Let's play the game. All right, here we go. We start at Utah. L. L. Come on, the L. McNeese at home. Win. Okay. Tennessee at home. I actually think that that could be a win because... Given what we saw this past season, right? What you just... 
I'm extremely not confident in them being as good next year without Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. That's just me. That's just my. I, so. I also have the experience of watching UCF in multiple years of Josh Heupel and seeing how year to year it's slowly. De- it's not like a, a complete drop off, I mean, but they, they it's just a, got a slow... little worse every year. Like yeah, exactly. I can go with that with you. We'll we'll put win to be optimistic. We'll put win. So two and one Charlotte at home. Three and one. Three and one at Kentucky. Kentucky just got Devin O'Leary. They did. They did just get Devin Leary. Um, Let's be let's be let's just give it an L just to be three and two. Okay, that's fine. Three and two Vandy at home. W got to win that game. Got to win that game. Got to win that game. (laughs) One, two Um, at South Carolina. I think we can. I think we can still beat South Carolina. Like okay, all right. So that's what two. five and two. Um, off and then Georgia. We're not there yet. Let's be real. Five We're not three. there yet. We're not there yet. Five and three. Uh, Arkansas at home. Huh. Arkansas was not that good this year. Um, I think. I think it depends on on their quarterback situation. Yeah. I think it depends on their quarterback situation. But I think we'd be in this game regardless. So let's give it a W. So that's six and three, right? Six and three. At LSU. Uh, I'm not ready to give it a, a W just yet. Neither so am I. six and four. Six and four. At Missouri. S- seven and four. Seven and four. And then FSU at home on a Saturday night, as God intended. That's tough. I think FSU is going to be good next year. I, I agree. Um, so, but it's still this was a t- this was a great game, and we'll be such a different team at the end of the season. I'm gonna give it an L because mm-hmm. based off what we know, but at, like we said last year, by the time you get to th- thinking of these games, what we even think about the team at the beginning of the season is that's true. true. Like that's um, true. We'll so, we'll know who we are. Yeah, seven and five. Yeah. I'll say. Let's put seven. Okay, seven and five, eight and four in that range. Yeah, I think if you pair that with a with a top seven recruiting class legit recruiting class i think that that is the perfect all right we got it we're set up time to strike for year three in my opinion in my opinion all right cool all right tyler that's uh that's the the postmortem let's talk a little bit about the transfer portal i'm gonna read off one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen nineteen players who have entered the transfer portal from Florida, not to mention the one, two, at least four guys that are declared for the draft. Um, and not to mention Brenton Cox, who's not on the team anymore. We're looking at close to 25 to 30 players. And I'm probably forgetting some that just weren't a part of this uh, bowl camp and the bowl game. So depleted roster. Let me go through them. Lorenzo Lingard. Uh, has left the portal. He actually just committed today to Akron. So he is going to be playing at Akron, um, which okay. interesting step down in terms of such a highly five-star Miami, Florida, whatever. Anyway. Oh, by the way, um, uh, this is not related to this, but actually I'll wait, I'll wait to show it. I just got a, a, a cool update. Um, no, no. Now you got, now you got to say it. You're going to leave us hanging. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Emory, former Florida quarterback, Emory Jones is now at Cincinnati. So he's the Malik Cunningham replacement for Scott Satterfield. Huh. I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah, me either. Anyway. Um, okay. All right. It's, better, it's probably better than what Cincinnati currently has a quarterback. True, though. true, true. Um, running back Naquan Wright, who is now projected to go to Georgia, Georgia Tech. Good for him. Wide receivers, D. 
Dejon Reynolds and Trent Whitmore have entered. Tight end Nick Elksins, who is officially at South Carolina. Offensive tackle Joshua Braun, who's officially at Arkansas. Um, Offensive lineman Yusef Mugarbuli. I'm so sorry, Yusef. Yusef Mugarbil. Mugarbil. There we go. Yusef Mugarbil. And interior lineman Griffin McDowell, both in the portal. Defensive lineman Chris Thomas and defensive lineman Jalen Lee, who is projected to be at LSU. Edge rusher Lloyd Summerall, who is down the road at Tampa, um, at USF. Just at I mean, Tampa, it's like, in Tampa. Uh-huh. Linebackers Dewan Black and David Reese, uh, both haven't committed anywhere yet. Linebacker Chief Borders, who is projected to go to Nebraska. Cornerback Corey Collier, who is officially at Nebraska. Safety Donovan McMillan, who is at Pittsburgh officially. Safety Kamari Wilcoxon, not to be confused with um, Kamari Wilson. Kamar Wilson, the five-star that we landed from ING last year, who's going to be stepping into a bigger role next year. Um, Kamar Wilcoxon is now at Temple officially. Cornerback Avery Helm is now at TCU officially. And long snapper Marco Ortiz is now at Nebraska officially. Yeah. Those are all players since time of recording that have entered and where they are projected uh, to be. If you're a Florida fan, the encouraging thing is that you only see a few of those that have gone to places that seem like upgrades. And um, I don't and I'm not so sure that the guys who have gone to an LSU or South or an Arkansas or South Carolina, three SEC teams, or even like well, Nebraska, who's on the up and up. I'm not so sure they're going to be like immediate impact starters that they may be like depth pools. You know what I mean? Better, better to, if you need depth, better to go with someone who has experience in the sec. You know, if if you're Joshua Braun, you know, if you're the Arkansas staff trying to find a a depth lineman, go get someone who has some sec experience rather than, you know, the, the 19 year old, you know? Um, All right. Players to arrive at Florida from the portal, defensive lineman, Caleb banks from Louisville. That's official. Good. Good pickup, one of the better line defensive linemen in the portal. Um, all right, there is a rumor, and it seems to be more and more. I'm just We're saying have a rumor. discussion with this. We're going to have a discussion with this. yes, and it seems to be more and more rumor because uh, it's not official yet, and I kind of hope it falls through just because I'm not too hype on it. But uh, quarterback Graham Mertz from Wisconsin projected to come to Gainesville as the tra- the big name transfer portal quarterback. I'm not too happy about this because as we all know, I was um I was I was big on Graham Mertz to start off. And then he kind of didn't really develop as we thought he would. Former five star. I think the highest rated quarterback commit ever to Wisconsin. And he really lost his job towards the end of the season last year, halfway through the season last year. So um interesting, especially when someone like Grayson McCall, which we had all talked about. Um, is still in the portal. Seems like it's not uh, going to work I mean, out. Devin Leary. Ago, a day ago, the rumor was that Grace McCall was a favorite to go to Florida. Exactly. So I don't know what happened in the past 24 to 48 hours, especially since Devin Leary within the last 48 hours has gone to Kentucky. Um, he is now there from NC State. You have um, guys like Jeff Sims, who have gone from Georgia Tech now to Nebraska. You have DJ Uyunglele. Um, at Clemson, who the rumor is that he's going to go to Hawaii. Rumor, 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 Ooh. big time rumor. And someone like Hudson Card is still in the portal. Those are just some I quarterbacks. Hudson Card was going to yeah. FAU. Hudson, no, I got got on that one. I sent you that a while ago. That was a rumor. I, I got got. Yeah, yeah, I got got. 
I thought I told you. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was like a month ago. That was like that was I like three weeks ago. That. I my forgot fault. about that. Uh, I did get. Got, I take Hudson um, Card for sure. Uh. So here's my thing: of those names I mentioned, right? Devin Leary's not on there because he's already at Kentucky. DJ Jeff Sims is already at Nebraska, but of DJ Uyunglele, Hudson Card, and obviously Grayson McCall, I think I would take all three of those guys over, over Graham Mertz. Hundred percent. So what happened behind the scenes there? We don't know. You know. Also, like, by the way, that JT Daniels, I think, committed to uh, Rice. To Rice, he went to Rice. Yes. Okay. I don't know what's happening now. It's possible. Gigi Angle probably going to go back to the West Coast. That's whatever. Um, Grayson McCall, Auburn would also be a very high high profile destination for him. So I read a rumor that he was supposed to go to Auburn, but things fell apart academically, which could give us some credence That's to maybe why. him not being able to go to. If, no offense, Auburn. But if you can't get into Auburn academically, you're not getting into Florida academically. Yeah, I mean, that might be part of it. Um, might be part of it. And you know, maybe Hudson. I I don't know about the Hudson card situation. Maybe it's just it's just I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. But, but, but someone like Jeff Sims, I would have preferred someone like Jeff Sims. If you can get into yeah. Georgia Tech, you can get into Florida. Georgia Tech's a much a, a much I, more difficult school to get into than Florida academically. Now, Graham Mertz has had the distinction of playing in a very putrid Wisconsin offense. Is it putrid because also he wasn't that great? Yes. Partially, yeah. It's not a very advanced offensive system. It never has been. It's been run the ball and maybe he had one really good game the first game he came out. And after that, he hasn't really been able to put them on his shoulder. I'd be willing to take a chance on it. But like I have a theory now that if this is the direction we're going. Okay. All right. One, it's not. It doesn't mean it's the only portal quarterback that we take. All right. True. Could That's be. That. Could be. Two. Is it a possibility? Because I don't know how Billy Napier is with quarterbacks. Mullen was very clearly never like starting freshman. Wait and see. He always wanted to wait at least a year or two. I don't know how Billy is with that. Billy came in with the quarterback being the one position that was figured out. Um, and I don't know his history. I haven't you know, dissected his history uh, in regards to quarterbacks. Is it possible that um, you you bring Graham Mertz in for depth and you put Jalen Rashada out there start day one? I, I think that's absolutely a possibility. I think – and I think uh, when I said I want to know the offensive identity in terms of what my expectations for the offseason were, part of it was, you know, not just knowing what we're going to run and this kind of thing. Who's the quarterback? Let's let's have a let's have a quarterback battle in the spring because I know Rashad yeah. is going to be enrolling early. And listen, he has not officially signed his letter of intent yet, um, barring some drama and that stuff. But we are fully expecting him to. But I just want to point that out at time of recording. If if God forbid something happens and doesn't end up, this is where we're coming from in terms of the conversation. Um, could be I think, and then he competes. I, I wouldn't mind. Everything that I've read and seen about him is that he is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Um, he can run the ball. He's a, he's a legitimate dual threat quarterback, great touch on the ball, great accuracy placement, and he's great with his legs as well. So could be that he's bringing him in for that. We only have two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster right now. Um, it's Jack Miller and this other true freshman who I think redshirted this year, but he, so that's two. You would bring in Mertz would be three. You bring in Rashada. That's four scholarship quarterbacks. And then I'm under the impression that, one of you know you'll you'll probably have to take another transfer next year but we got dj lagway in 2024 so it could be that he's kind of setting up for an eventual rashada lagway competition um 
listen, we were all clamoring for Anthony Richardson to get those first year reps in that last year of Mullen's tenure so that he can kind of play those mistakes out of his system. Maybe that's what we end up getting with Rashada. Maybe the thing that we had always, always clamored for with Richardson, we end up getting with him. You know what I mean? It's, it could be, it could be a possibility. So yeah, I'm not so sure. I, 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 listen, I'm hoping that is what it is now, given the situation we are. I still would have preferred Grayson McCall to come in. Yeah. I think he would have been and an if instant Hudson starter. Card is still on the table, I would like Hudson Card. I I wouldn't mind that either. I wouldn't mind that either at all. Um, but given this, yeah, given his profile, given what he's done at or what he hasn't done at Wisconsin, um, I'm kind of hoping now that we get an open quarterback competition between Miller, Mertz, and Rashada. So, the, and I'm hoping Rashada emerges. Well, the problem here is that reg- regardless, is that I want to remind people that at least chills me out is that. Florida's down two quarterbacks of the three that they had. Yeah, and one like, unexpe- unexpectedly. One unexpectedly. Which changes the, plans. The other one being Anthony Richardson, who, for his own benefit, I think it was the best for him to go to the, to the NFL this season. It's like, I don't think it was the best. I think he would have been better de- playing one yeah, more year and developing, but I understand the decision. I'm not going to – I get it because he played well right. enough – like that yeah. I think that he could – and honestly, honestly for him – If an NFL like, GM says you're going in the top 15, you go. Well, you the go. other thing with, with Anthony Richardson, we'll talk more about this when we get into the draft season, is that Anthony Richardson, he has the flashes and coaches will bite on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Additionally, I think Anthony Richardson is going to kill it in interviews. I agree. I think, I think Anthony Richardson is going to have a lot to gain from the pre-draft process instead of like – and it's one of those things where like in that case, if you're being told you're going to go well and you feel and I feel that he will have a lot to gain from the pre-draft process because he's such an athlete and he's such a good kid. What is the benefit of playing another year at that point? Mm-hmm. You're starting your career later. Like um, now, I would have preferred he stayed behind because I think the team would have been better. It would He would have had a better year. But that's also me, a Florida fan. I'll never fault him for doing what he what he did. He did what was right for him and his family. He, he feels that's what he should do. Anyway, Florida needs depth. Again, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Graham Mertz did not have a great Wisconsin career. Florida needs a body in that room. You know, right now this brings you up to three. Yeah. Ideally, in my opinion, you want four. Like, yeah, I think uh, you need four. And Billy Napier has been on record saying he wants four. He like, wants four. So this might not be the end of it, but also it's just like you you need bodies. Like, well, this, bodies. this is this is four, by the way, because you, you have the two on the roster now. Rashada coming in and Mertz. That makes four scholarship two on the roster. Jack Miller and I thought the others were walk-ons. No, no. Um, I, I, I did. <laughs> I wrote something about um, about this for Gators Wire yesterday, which is exactly why it's in my it's in my mind. Um, let me two seconds. Great podcasting is what we're doing here. By position, I forget his name. He was a three-star. He was from Oklahoma. His name is Max Brown. His name is Max Brown. So the other quarterbacks on the roster, the two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster are Jack Miller and Max Brown. And then you have two more quarterbacks that were walk-ons. We have Kyle Engel from St. Thomas down here in Fort Lauderdale. And you have Jack Anders from Maryland. So those are the other quarterbacks on the roster, but only two of them are scholarship, which is Miller and Miller and Brown. You bring in Mertz and you bring in Rashada. That makes four scholarship quarterbacks. So, yeah, look, that's the thing. If if the Grayson McCall thing is because of grades, I don't, I'm unfortunately I, I this is what the way I do? am. I don't have a problem yeah. with that. Like, what are we um, gonna do? 
and I love the Hudson card thing, but maybe that's just not in the cards. Ha ha. Well done. Well done. But we'll see. And if that's the case, I really hope. And given the situation that, given the kind of pl- coach that uh, Billy Napier is, I feel like you have a higher chance of being like, hey, if it if it looks like it, let's just start Rashada. Have depth behind him. Have just depth with starting experience behind him if we need it. And but let's just get Rashad through the season. That could be better for Billy Napier because you know when you're starting a true freshman, you get a little bit more leeway. You know. Mm-hmm. We'll no, I, I get it. I get it. And listen, we can kind of put a button on this whole conversation. Um, we got some. We got some recruiting updates right now. Actually, um, two players heading to Gainesville confirmed: Ohio State linebacker Terhada Mitchell and Memphis defensive tackle Cameron Jackson. Um, they are both heading to Gainesville, two defensive players, transfer portal with um, power five and then high level G5 experience. So those guys are going there. And then I also, in terms of national recruiting, in terms of that, Mikey Keene, former UCF quarterback who I was a big fan of, he's heading to Fresno State, which seems like a, like a good fit for someone who likes to throw the ball downfield. I think it'll yeah. be a good fit for him. So that's yeah. a that's a that's a good good thing there. Um, all right, anything else you want to talk about in terms of portal or, or player acquisition and stuff like that? Or oh, I, I have one more by the way before we wrap up. Offensive tackle Ajani Cornelius. He's one of the best tackles in the portal right now. He was at Rhode Island last year, so FCS. Um, Gators are high on him. He's high on the Gators, hoping that he can commit. He he said I wrote a piece on him on Gators Wire about his official visit at the beginning of December. Um, And he said that he was exploring his options and he was going to try to make a decision before the holidays. So we are at December 21st. I'm assuming the holidays he means are Hanukkah and Christmas. We are in the middle of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends. Happy Hanukkah. And Christmas is coming up this weekend. So we'll see if he makes a decision um, before Christmas or maybe if he waits until next week or if it happens today on National Signing Day. You never know. Um, And. You may have just said this, but uh, four-star wide receiver Eugene Wilson III also made his uh, commitment official. Um, he did? Yeah, he, he signed. signed. He signed. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's big for us. like him a lot. The wide receiver room is still depth. Still Ricky Pierce all up in the air. We don't know. He hasn't said if he's going to be in the portal or if he's going to stay or not. So um, I think he's leaning to stay just because the dominoes are starting to fall. And I think if he hasn't entered the portal by now, I think maybe he's leaning towards staying. So we will see. We will see. Uh, Tyler, that brings an end to this episode of Sideline Judgment. Again, we are off for the holidays. Please enjoy all of your friends and family. We are so grateful for you all for listening to this product, for helping us um, in our journey, in our podcasting journey. We are now yeah. part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You bet we are. Yes, we are. We got that DraftKings sponsorship. Again, you can use the code TPPN. Um, when signing up for DraftKings, you can place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Again, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see the show notes for the details. Um, Tyler, that's it. We did it. That's all I Post have. Mortem. They did. Postmortem. It's it. I hope we um, I hope we were able to give an unbiased, um, you know, clear-eyed evaluation. Look. Yeah. Uh, apart from our opinions of the program, how we personally feel, I think we can. We were trying to give a very bird's eye view of what's going on with the program. So I hope that yeah. that works. Um, I want to ask you real quick: how's your how's your bull pick'em pool doing? 
Ooh, yeah, it was it it wasn't doing too hot for a stretch, and I think it's picking up now. Um, mm-hmm. Let me mm-hmm. double check because I. Oh, I got it pulled up here for you. Don't don't you oh. worry, my friend. Uh, I am currently in fourth. Um, you are actually oh, no. you and I are tied. We're both seven and five. So um, we have a friend of the pro- friend of the uh, of the podcast. Ryan Urquhart is uh, tied for first place. Tyler, the I'm a win. Just FYI, that is my 12 year old sister um, who You're when I told me. my I swear, who I told my parents, I was like, hey, sign up for this. She was like, I want to do it. I was like, OK, cool. She's like, I can I, if I get the prize, can I come on? I was like, yeah, you can go. that's fine. Of course, if you win it, you come on. So I really hope she doesn't win just because she's 12 and we will have nothing even close to football discussions if she comes on. That's fine. Um, it'll be cute, though. I don't know who is who is up here. Who's uh, who's Big who's C Brock? Our, yeah, I don't know because they're, they're they're taking my name. They're ta- <laughs> I'm Brock Pretty Relapser. <laughs> they they are taking your name um but what uh, I would still love time. For, what i would love is for somebody to win and mm-hmm. then never claim it you know <laughs> that would be funny we're like hey who won this no one tells us um but yes we are we are nice and, and close we are we are in on it right now um currently what, what do we have today on wednesday the 21st what do we uh, got we got south alabama, south alabama kentucky and west we got one game today south alabama west, i have south alabama i don't know who you have i have but. south alabama as well okay look at that um, look at that yeah i've gotten four straight right look at you look at you stupid byu cougars <laughs> i told you don't trust them don't trust them i All didn't right. i didn't I, I picked smu and they won <laughs> um yeah. Oh man. Alrighty. Well, this has been the final episode of 2022 of sideline judgment. We'll be back at the beginning of next year. We'll talk about the bowl season and then we will talk about the semifinal playoff games and we'll preview the natty. Um, alrighty, Tyler, this has been another episode of sideline judgment. Merry Christmas Merry to Christmas, you and your family. Holidays, like, happy holidays. Happy new year. Yeah. Um, I hope, uh, when do you get back to LA? Uh, I fly back on the 28th. So after fly Christmas, I'm going to spend uh, New Year's in LA with my cool. girlfriend. Um, nice. Fun, fun, fun. It's going to be very I fun. I hope you enjoy that. I'm going to be very excited. Uh, hope you enjoy that, my friend. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's good to be back home, though. I actually have a pup sub waiting for me outside this room. Ooh, um, look at you. Look at you. I, yeah, if you saw me looking at my phone sometimes, it's because uh-huh. my sister was like, I'm going to Publix. Do you want anything? And I was like, actually. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me let you uh, know. <laughs> um, yeah, but hey. Just the slightest bit of talk. Um, I hope my team sees yours in the AFC playoffs. I hope my team sees yours in the AFC playoffs because my other options are Cincinnati. No, um, we're the most beatable, I think. Honestly, and this is no offense to you, I, I think it would be cool to have a sideline judgment bowl in the playoffs with our NFL It'd teams. Cool. That would be fun. But I, I kind of want no offense. I would like the Titans to stay as the winner of that division. You can absolutely go die <laughs> because then, and I want us to go up to fifth. Which if we beat the Jets and the, we have three games left, it's the Packers, Jets, and the Patriots. I think we win all three. I think that would put us at given. Yeah, I think we. I think we need Baltimore to slip up once. No, because we hold the tiebreaker. Just kidding. Yeah. So perfect. We win out. We're the five seed, which is what I want. Yeah. And I would rather we play out, Tennessee. Exactly. And I would rather play Tennessee than play Trevor Lawrence. Granted, <sighs> we might be able to schedule. We, we, we might. I don't know. We have to talk about this, but I'm hoping it doesn't happen because I I think Trevor. I'm afraid of Trevor Lawrence. You I should be afraid Trevor, of Trevor Lawrence. I don't the want whole Trevor Lawrence to be afraid of Trevor Lawrence. I He's want here. I want to see. 
I also, also selfishly, I need to exercise my Ryan Tannehill demons. I need That's to exercise true. my Ryan Tannehill That's, demons. Look, that will be the one. I say, if for some reason the Titans make it in over us, because we we have the Jets, um, Texans, and the Titans, we should be able mm-hmm. to run the table. The Jets is the one I'm the most afraid about. That's tomorrow night. Um, right. Uh, and then the Texans always have our number, but we're way better than them. So um, in, a, in a perfect world, Dolphins exercise the Titan demon, the Ryan Tannehill demons. We play, excuse me, we play the Bills again, which I am not afraid of the Buffalo Bills. You saw that game on Saturday? Yeah. I am not afraid of the Buffalo Bills. I Let, let me just for all. The, oh, the, the Dolphins went to the West Coast. They were exposed on national TV. Really? And Tua comes in. That he he laid he took out his you know what and he let them know cold ain't no cold ain't no snow get out of here did we lose yes we lost okay <laughs> defense was tired at the end of that game we were defense was on the field for too long could we we needed to do some things but there were two plays that receivers dropped and Tyree came out and was like that's on me guys Tua put it right there I dropped the ball in the end zone where we wouldn't have been in that situation so I am not afraid of the Buffalo Bills. Perfect world, exercises Ryan Tannehill demons in the wild card. Go on the road, beat the Bills in the in the AFC divisional matchup, and we'll probably match up with the Chiefs, which I don't know. Let's if we'll be beat real the Chiefs. here, all right. Let's, Let's be real there. Let's be real there. But you tell me, the Dolphins are playing in the AFC championship game in year one of the McDaniel system, and two is vindicated. <laughs> what a season! Come on, building, building, and the NFL stole our first round pick next year. They don't want us to succeed. <laughs> I'm going full DJ Khaled. They don't want us to succeed. They don't want us to have more life. They don't want to see Miami flourish. They're jealous of our weather in, in January. They don't want to see us succeed. Well, you know it. My dad, on my side of things, I'm actually of the three games that the Jaguars have left. I'm, I am only scared of the Jets in that I'm only scared of the Jets defense. Like, uh, that, you, you're that scared of Sauce Gardner. For real. Like, you're scared of Sauce Gardner. Yeah. And, uh, and you should be. <laughs> it's just like, I'm not, and our, our defense kind of sucks, but it's like, but we've been playing well. We, his yeah. thing, the Jaguars can lose a game and still make, win the division as long as That's they win true. their other two. Correct. The Texans have beaten us nine straight times, um, which, I mean, not we sucked. Great, we sucked. So I, it, very explainable. Um, yeah. uh, but I still think that with the way we're playing, we can beat them. Yeah. It's the, t- and the thing. The weird thing, the Jets are the only team I'm scared of. I'm scared of the Jaguars slipping up, but not because of the teams that they're playing. Like just because I'm just of the scared Jags. of fate. Like yeah, um, I get it. I get it. Like you're, it's not actually, you're just like however, me. You're you're a jaded sport. You're a jaded Jags fan. Like I'm a jaded look, Dolphins fan. I get it. I would prefer to take the Ravens. Um, if we were to if we were to win, so my dad has said the last game of the season is against the Titans. If it's for the division, my dad says that he's flying me back out here to watch it because I we, I haven't witnessed a loss all season. Well, if you if you win, is he flying you back out the next week so that we can all go to the we will. can all go to the Dolphins Jags game together? Because he probably I'll, will. I'll, I will. <laughs> I'm sick and drive up to Jacksonville <laughs> just Sunday morning and come back late Sunday night for that. Um, I. I kind of selfishly want to play the Ravens because we've already beaten them. I don't blame you. And I think the Ravens are kind of trending downward. And yeah, this I season. think so too. And it's uh, defensively. It's not, I, it's I, not I the offense I just fault. don't want to deal with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Well, oh, that's I why mean, I'm not afraid you don't of the Jets. You want to deal with Trevor Lawrence, but. No, no. But listen, that's why I don't, that's why I don't want to deal with. Um, that's why I don't want to deal with. Um, that's why. I'm sorry. That's why I'm not afraid of the Jets because I'm afraid of Sauce Gardner. And I think that defense as a whole is good. 
but I know Sauce will lock up one of Waddle or Hill, and then the other one's open. And then you also have Armstead, and then you also have um, Gasecki break last case of emergency. And Jeff Wilson's actually been running the ball really well, and Tua's been getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Like I, we, our offense is so dynamic when we have so many weapons that I'm not afraid of just one shutdown corner. I kind of prefer playing teams that have one shutdown corner because then it lets us just expose them in every other aspect. And now the fantasy's over. <laughs> <laughs> Christ! Now the fantasy's over. Hey, I don't both, have to worry we, about. We, we both messed that one up. I so. know. We're not talking. We we can have a fantasy football offseason episode because oh Only. Boy, I made some mistakes this year. Mistakes are made. Mistakes are made. <laughs> Me too. I'm still alive in my work league though. I'm in the semis of my yeah. work league, which is like a 150 Amazon dollar Amazon gift card or something like that. You better so, get that. I would like it. I would like it. All right, man. Uh, we got to get going. I got to finish up work. You got a pub sub waiting for you. Uh, I love you. Merry Christmas. So glad. Um, thanks to the Pigskin Podcast Network bringing us on. Uh, we'll be back first week of January talking about ball. This has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we are not biased, Tyler, but go Gators. Go Gators. Fins up. Duval. Duval.